I'm Alan, and my pronouns are they, them. I'm Kaylee, and my pronouns are she, her. And my name is Danielle. My pronouns are she, her, and you are listening to Target Snark It, a weekly podcast from Broad Digital Consulting. Welcome back to our listeners and welcome back to us and us only at Target Snarket, a weekly <laughs> podcast from Broad Digital Consulting. I am underslept and overqualified and my name is Alan. I'm the overslept and unfurnished Broad Kaylee. Unfortunately, Danielle went to go get a Grimace milkshake right before this, so she's going to be a little bit late. Hopefully We're excited to see her though. Yeah, hopefully she doesn't miss the episode, but... You know, we're fast movers here. (laughs) Okay, this week on the podcast, we wanted to talk about the glory days, the wonder years, the very best times of yesteryear, and how once we tap into that emotion of, I wish it were the good old days again, we're ready to just empty our pockets and demand businesses take our money. That is right, folks. We are talking about nostalgia in marketing and sales tactics, and why we always want to buy things that make us go, Oh, I remember that. I love that song. <laughs> Etc. Cetera. Et cetera. So what is nostalgia marketing? It's actually an entire form of marketing in of itself. It's been described by Indeed.com. Thank you again, Indeed, as a promotional strategy that aims to evoke positive feelings or associations with the past. And in this type of campaign, marketers intentionally reference familiar concept, ideas, events, or figures related to previous decades or periods. And I think we've all seen an increase in this over the last three years since the pandemic, but I feel like this past year, especially um, with a lot of things referencing for like Gen X millennial who have that largest buying power of today. For sure. And like you also see, I I feel like as you see fashion trends rotate, we're in like Mm -hmm. a rotation right now of that like early 2000s kind of nostalgia as well. Is vintage just... I am having... My usual early episode <laughs> revelation. <laughs> Vintage fashion is just nostalgia. Oh my God. Oh my God. But nostalgia for like people who didn't live it. <laughs> yeah, I remember so vividly when early 2010s, when leggings first became big again. And my mom was like, we used to wear those in the 80s. And she was like visibly upset that they were coming back. (laughs) Well, I mean, I feel that way about like low rise jeans and stuff. Like when we got rid of low rise jeans, like I was the happiest of my life, you know, and then now they're back and I'm like, no, absolutely not. But like belly chains, people think they're cool again. And by people, I mean, young people. I know it's like. It's like vintage fashion is nostalgia for people who didn't live in the time, you know, like. Yeah, it's like this, not nostalgia, but like FOMO of a decade, because I really, I don't uh, know why I always thought I would be cool in the 80s. I probably would have hated it. (laughs) I am a techie girl. I need technology. And I don't think I, I was good in the 90s. Um, but all these kids on TikTok who are like, Y2K fashion, 
Y2K was like an event we thought was going to happen that end the world. And that's what they label the fashion of the decade as. <laughs> it was like the most anticlimactic e- evening ever. Yeah. For Gen Z, what Y2K really was, was when <laughs> the year turned 2000, we thought at midnight that all technology was going to cease to exist. Like <laughs> fight club style, no more banks, no more anything, and that the world was going to start over. And then 1201 happened and nothing changed. People were still faxing. <laughs> Everything was fine. <laughs> Did we have beepers? Beepers were still beeping? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, back to nostalgia within marketing specifically. Uh, we definitely saw a lot of this, and I think we wrote about it in our newsletter at the time, but the Super Bowl this year specifically was heavy on nostalgia. Yeah. And in my opinion, heavy for millennials, because we had Donnie Darko ad. We had a share from Clueless ad. Uh, Aaron Paul and Brian Cranston coming back for Breaking Bad. That was kind of still our college young adult era, still, I think, targeted towards us. And then obviously the biggest one was the Eminem fake stunt where they were like, we're getting rid of the M&Ms and they will no longer be in any of our marketing. And people flipped out over it. Do you Mm -hmm. think any of these like kind of worked for the Super Bowl or did you have any you liked? You know, I didn't watch them until like some of them later, but I'm sure they did. And like, but for me, I was like, oh my God, this officially means we're old. Like, you know what I mean? If if they're marketing to us, we're old, you know, because I just remember, I didn't know it at the time, but when I think back on like, I even think back on like other NFL commercials or like sports montages and everything was like hair bands, like, you know, and stuff. And I used to be like, God, why are they fucking playing this? You know? And because hair bands aren't my favorite. Um, (laughs) Props to anybody who likes them that I can see why they're cool, why they're nostalgic. But like now I'm like, I wonder if kids are like, God, why is like JLo on this commercial like who is this weird rabbit with jake gyllenhaal i thought we canceled him (laughs) right like fuck oh we're old you know yeah funny funnily enough they think we have money is what it honestly says like oh you think i have money now you want to market me but we can't buy houses no But every commercial is catered towards us right now. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) One of the biggest kind of stunts that's happened recently is, again, something that I don't think Gen X would even, or Gen X, Gen Z would even know who Grimace is. But let's talk about the Grimace shake. Back in the day, Ronald McDonald used to have a band of friends that used to be shown in their commercials, and they even had a VHS series called The Wacky Adventures of Ronald McDonald. With that band of fast food friends, we had Mayor McCheese. We had the Hamburglar, who's still yes. around. You still see him. Officer Big Mac, not one you see very often. And then you had this big purple nugget icon, Grimace, who was last seen in public like in any form on July 18th of 2012 at Dodger Stadium dancing to Black Betty by the Ram Jams. So that's the last known <laughs> sighting of Grimace. 
Wait, also, can we back up? They had a cop. <laughs> like, Officer yeah. Big Mac. I don't remember Officer Big Mac, <laughs> first of all. And second of all, that's why it hasn't made a comeback. Okay, anyway, go I, on. <laughs> I remember Mayor McCheese, not even in the context of McDonald's, but in the context of a Family Guy episode where they did the JFK assassination, but it was Mayor McCheese. Getting <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, so for all those who have been asking, oh my God, what happened to Grimace? He was like, uh, he, they were amazing. It's a nugget. Let's not gender it. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> this, yeah we'll be inclusive now. <laughs> this is more of an it. Um, this past July, McDonald's released, obviously, the Happy Birthday Grimace uh, Happy Meal. It was a whole meal you could receive similar to the Cardi B Offset meal. I think some other rapper had a meal, but... Um, you could get the full Happy Meal, which included a purple milkshake. Uh, this milkshake hit the internet and TikTok by storm with a trend. I don't know if you've seen any of these. And oh, if I'm, you haven't yet, please go. Yeah. I, spent, I spent so much time on these. Like, <laughs> I'm obsessed. And also, like, have you seen the TikTok with the, like, um, CMO of McDonald's it's fake but like talking to the like CEO of McDonald's and trying to explain <laughs> what happened and was like yeah yeah we're going viral um it's kind of good <laughs> yeah so for those who aren't on TikTok great for you but this huge trend went around where people would take videos of them having the the shake and then immediately cut to foaming at the mouth going feral or sometimes becoming becoming for our YouTube purposes today unalived um all of this helped grimace get over 3 billion views on TikTok uh, and wow. the Irish Diner even saw 11% increase in the sales globally and 10% just in the U.S. alone due to this viral milkshake. For And a lot of those kids probably have no idea who Grimace is. Like they don't even know the history. What do you mean the Irish Diner? What is that? McDonald's. You've never heard it called that before? Oh my god, no. McDonald's being Irish is the McDonald- most. I mean, I guess it could be Scottish. It's it's the most insane thing I've ever heard. <laughs> For those I, who I'm can, sure everyone here. Uh, by the way, everyone, I live in Ireland now, and like, I'm pretty sure everyone in Ireland would be horrified <laughs> by this reference okay but well I'll just had to clarify <laughs> yeah for all our listeners alan just keeps highlighting it in the script <laughs> the obvious confusion like, is what happening. is this i was like irish diners like really were into the grimace shake <laughs> like why did they like it so much here but no no they see a name mcdonald and they're like oh yeah, doesn't matter where it's from. <laughs> oh, I hope can me. someone comment and be like, Kaylee, this you made this up. You say like, <laughs> did I make this up? Because I grew up with it called this. <laughs> oh Maybe, god, I'll blame my parents. <laughs> yeah, blame them. It's fine. It's fine. But I mean, that's a huge increase in sales. So like they saw huge and like especially I don't know if you noticed this year they didn't come out with a shamrock shake which is one of their top items. I had one. 
You did? I thought they didn't like make a big deal about it this year. I feel like they didn't make a big deal about it. And I was like, wait a minute, they should have this thing. And then I looked and they did. But you're right. Maybe their ad campaign was, maybe they didn't put a lot of money behind it. They were prepping for that purple. They were prepping for that purple. Also, from what I've heard, because I did not, did you have a grimace? I didn't have a grimace. Danielle just left us for a grimace. Yeah. She's going to be able to, definitely going to be able to report back. Mm -hmm. Yes. Not allergic to anything in the product, but <laughs> like I heard it wasn't even like flavorful. I heard it was just meh in general, mm-hmm. which is how I felt about a lot of the Starbucks recent drinks that they've come out with. But yeah. good for Mickey D's for getting that sales bump. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Do you think they anticipated it? Do you think it was they did it? Or do you think like what do you think? I, I, oh, I think they oil hat. In full hat time. I don't know if they intended it for the TikTok virality to happen because it's like people are literally being like, yeah, this drink's so good. Like, that's the TikTok. (laughs) So it's not a great sales pitch to be like, oh, it's going to be huge on TikTok with people making fun of it. I guess that's kind of the concept, though. And then Rather than freak out over what was happening, they just kind of let it happen. Smart. I think it's really smart. Like, Mm -hmm. they rode the wave. They were like, we know no one's actually getting unalived from these. We know no one's getting grimace rabies from these or whatever they were pretending to do. Highly recommend the Trisha Paytas one if no one's seen it yet. She's writhing on the floor, foaming at the mouth purple. It's beautiful. (laughs) Um, going. I think another big thing when it comes to nostalgia is Hollywood uses this a lot. Like the movies within the last, I people have been complaining for I think twenty years that movies are just repeats. But specifically in the last ten years, when you have these things aimed towards again millennial Gen Z that hit at our heartstrings and we're now blowing them out into full movie universes. I am talking about the Marvel Universe, just released this year now, the Super Mario Brothers Universe. And if you don't think they are going to do every game for that, you're wrong. Uh, And then obviously Mattel started with Barbie. That ended up being huge for so many reasons. And they have now announced that future movies coming out will include Polly Pocket, Uno, what? What? (laughs) And the Hot Wheels franchise. (laughs) Okay, Polly Pocket, I'm in. Uno? I'm not. You're going to have to like, <laughs> are you animating the cards? Like, how are you going to do this? But uh, hey, look, is it like, <laughs> get, get Greta on any one of these and I'm in, you know? I can imagine it being like Pokemon or like Yu-Gi-Oh! Where it's super oh. intense card game play. <laughs> oh my god. Maybe not. Maybe I'm not in. <laughs> we'll have to see. But I mean... <laughs> I was I was seeing, you know, that Marvel fans who were teenagers during the comics heyday are, are at the peak of their spending power is what they're saying, you know, like mm-hmm. and I mean, but I said this earlier like they think we have money. I mean, maybe we do. I mean, I guess maybe we do and maybe I don't have money. <laughs> but like well, but, but I guess if this is the peak 
it's bleak. I guess the thing is they're not asking for that much money. Mm, right. A movie ticket. Mm-hmm. Movie tickets aren't that expensive. You already have your streaming service, but it's the next step to buying the $70 special edition Barbie. The next step to buying all your new Super Mario Bros. Nintendo Switch games are still, still at least $59 to get if you want a good yeah. one. Like, they're pretty expensive to buy. Or a Switch in general, if you're like, oh, my kid loved the movie. Now we're going to get him into the video games. Polly Pocket. I would kill. For it's a directed by Lena Dunham. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, womp, womp. Womp, womp. It has Lily James in it, which I'm sure they will. she will do great. I just am not a Lena fan. Let's just have Greta do all of them. I know. That's what I said. Get Greta to do Polly Pocket. <laughs> Lord. I mean, I when we were doing research for this um, episode, I read an article that actually called it um, nostalgia manipulation, actually. Ooh. And they talked about the entertainment industry. And like, I mean, they were talking about George Lucas and the Star Wars. Um mm-hmm. And a quote they had was, it's not that we've run out of fresh ideas. It's that the old ones are safer money-making bets. And then they talked to a neuroscientist that argues that our preferences for music and media is formed in our teenage years um, and early 20s when our brain is most primed to like explore new things. And like when Spotify came out with those time capsule playlists, they were hugely mm-hmm. successful. I mean, there's millions of examples of this um, where people like like companies are tapping into the nostalgic bits of us mm-hmm. and content creators know this as well. And they attempt to create like value by triggering happy memories from our past. Um and then I was going to say, too, uh, what is this? Another component psychologists identify with nostalgia is its ability to induce feelings of social connectedness. So, like, it's it's like about the economic study of conformity and how our like how our consumption choices depend on our connections with other people. And so, you know, I mean, you you see this a lot with even like generations battling on tiktok you know there was that whole period of time where it's like millennials suck or gen z sucks and here's why i'm keeping my middle part but it's like that's group think that's like Mm -hmm. belonging and connectedness and i thought that was like so fascinating and then i also started to think about politics like you can't there's a whole political party that has built its messaging in the new millennia on nostalgia, on returning to the good old days, right? Yes. Like I had this before in la- in a later note, but let's talk about it right now. Make mm-hmm. America great again. It's literally that is a campaign. It's a campaign. It's an advertising campaign. It's slogan. an ad that first of all Reagan started. It was a Reagan era slogan first. Trump mm. used it to get people to be like, I want to go back into Reagan era America. Do you? Um also just like before that for Reagan, what what was again when it was the 80s? What were we going back to? 
Like oh. there's kind of just this everyone decides when they want to go back to when you have that slogan. Right. Is it back to before women could vote? <laughs> or like, but also like, I think it's missing the point too. And we don't need to dive into this, but like we are in Reagan era politics right yeah. now. Like he was doing all the things that we feel now. So we don't want to go back to him if we don't like what's happening now, if that makes sense. Like we're feeling the effects of trickle down economics, the effects of the war on drugs, et cetera. You know what I mean? But like, yeah. it's a, it's an evocative message. And quite frankly, it's brilliant. And of course, we have the most brilliant marketers in politics, which I think we Honestly. don't think about a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone go watch The Great Hack if it's still on Netflix. Cambridge Analytica marketing got Trump into yeah. office. That is how it happened. But I think you made a great point when it came to conformity, too, of kind of that even the slogan, Make America Great Again, it's not about progress. It's not about moving forward. It's about, oh, we want to go back to when it was good. Like, we're going to take out all the bad things and just go back to when it was good. But our entire country was founded on change and was founded on progress. And like, hey, we're we're above the king. Like, we're going to make our own government. Well, it's not working right now. And rather than going the progress moving forward route, it's like, oh, we're just going to keep things as is because the people who are benefiting from it are continuing to benefit from it. Right. And it's almost like I was thinking about this earlier because all of nostalgia marketing and this nostalgia stuff, it targets targets our happiest memories. And mm -hmm. I wonder in which there's a, a way in which we look back on the past selectively. And so we look back on the teenage years and remember our happiest moments, but forget but that it was the most miserable time of our lives for some of us. <laughs> or like we look back on the 80s and we're like, wow, we were so prosperous. But like, who was prosperous? And were you really mm -hmm. that prosperous? Or is your brain literally designed to help keep you alive, help keep you moving forward in your life by selectively not showing you the things you wish to not remember that weren't that great? I mean, that's the whole psychology of it, right? Yeah. It's also, I can see it in another way, just like I grew up in... New Jersey uh, during when 9-11 hit. So for New Jer for the tri-state area, I will say Rudy Giuliani has been a hero for many. And mm. it's like people still talk fondly about when he was a mayor. And it's like, yeah, but he's crazy now. He's a yeah. predator. Like he kind of always was. And you you keep going into it, but you can't talk about that because he was the greatest mayor of all time. He cleaned up New York. He was there during 9-11, yada, yada, yada. And it's just like New York is going back to before Giuliani. And it's like, y'all, we got to move forward. We deal with what's happening now and deal with it moving forward. Yeah. And I mean, you look at like, I again, it's like so nuanced, but also you like, I feel like we need to be talking more about psychology here too, because mm -hmm. our brains were trauma brains, especially in that area after 9-11. Like yeah. one of the largest, most traumatic incidents on American soil to happen in a very long time had just happened. So little trauma brains are looking back and they were like, they found a hero and mm -hmm. maybe that hero is not so heroic in retrospect, but it's hard to give up. I think that's a huge 
that goes great into the fact that this isn't new, like nostalgia Mm. marketing in general and using nostalgia and hitting on that psychology is not a new thing. We might be seeing it in bulk lately, but even talking about, you just mentioned 9-11, let's talk about the greatest generation. Let's talk about Mm. World War II, people just doing what they had to do to help fight this country. We memorialize these group of people as if no one, not a single soul, raised their hand and made a fuss about rationing and that you're only allowed two potatoes. You're telling me not a single Florida man throughout the early forties was like, well, my freedom says I can have five potatoes. Like that mindset has always been in America. And to think that it just, this whole generation of people were like, no, we're doing this together. This is to better our society. And that's, Kind of that must have been the make, original Reagan "Make America Great Again" because we were all together. It was like one common enemy, but realistically, no people were still being assholes during that time. And also, how they brought the country together was a marketing ploy in and of itself. Like mm-hmm. creating the common enemy, creating solidarity. They had so many like posters like I think of Rosie the Riveter and things like Mm -hmm. that like those were marketing tactics that brought Disney made videos you had Mm -hmm. Donald Duck fighting Nazis you had Daffy Duck fighting the Japanese like you it's called propaganda but honestly kind of marketing (laughs) (laughs) I'm like like I'm using propaganda and marketing interchangeably, and I'm sure like, <laughs> if we if we looked it up, there's a difference, which maybe we should do literally right now. But like there is, <laughs> maybe. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're so right. Like, and uh, honestly, it's really interesting to look at myself in this way because when I think back to the '80s, I'm like, oh my god, there were so many problems. But then when you started talking about World War II era America, I had this glossy version in my head and as Mm -hmm. you were talking it started to break it down and I was like you're right like people were dissenting probably everywhere I mean even think about the prohibition I mean like I know that was that was before World War II but I mean things in American history like we have always hated what's like being told what to do period yeah period it's American (laughs) (laughs) yeah like and in that way and always, I'm clearly American, but I'm especially American in that way. You know, also, we're Sagittarians. We're Sagittarians. So freedom, America. <laughs> you cannot box me. Um, yeah, I think it's kind of interesting looking back on how nostalgia can really be used for manipulation tactics in general over whether it's politics, even in, uh, I mentioned before Hollywood and Barbie, I think like, that is such a funny I recently went to see Barbie so if you don't want any spoilers for the next five minutes please move ahead Kaylee Um, I don't want spoilers I won't spoil I won't spoil the storyline the whole thing though okay no I won't but like the whole you know that the villain is like patriarchy I didn't but that's really cool Okay, that's the villain of... I'm sorry, that's the most I will spoil. But anyway, (laughs) there is... Like, all of this is leading up to kind of this realization of what patriarchy is, how... um, And overall storyline. 
And you kind of leave the movie going like, yeah, we're going to make a change. We're going to do it different. And you have Barbie aspect to it of like, my childhood person is also feeling this way. But let's be real. Mattel just released five Barbies. Of, of the movie, you have Ken, you have Weird Barbie, which the whole purpose was just for you to remember that you had one Barbie that you cut up and drew all over and yada yada. You, like, they even talked to special edition Barbies that happened in the movie, and now they're re-releasing them. That's the whole purpose. The whole, like, Mattel went, yeah, you can do this movie because they know they can make money off of it. Oh, yeah. Tons of money. Tons. And they're going to keep milking it. I've seen... Right now, I don't know if it's fake. Maybe I'm falling into the fake trap pole, but like I've seen at least three more Barbie movies ready to come out in the next 10 years. What? Yeah. They're like, gonna, I mean, I think I was like, they're going to like drill this into the ground. It's like they they came out with like a Mean Girls too, And it's like, who's seen that? You know, but also <laughs> if you do look at Mattel movies or Mar- sorry, Mattel, Marvel movies, like mm-hmm. they still- Disney in general- yeah, they like sell out. They do really mm-hmm. well. People are obsessed with them. So, I mean, who knows? Barbie might be that next thing. You had this huge reinsurgence with, and I'm saying Disney, which is also including Marvel, Star Wars, whatever. But we had, we're still in an era where they're re releasing live action versions of old movies, and they just kind of keep re releasing the same movies. Pixar slips in new stuff every once in a while. And I appreciate them for that. But like you were saying with Star Wars, like it was fun when Jon Favreau was like, yeah, I'm a super fan. I'm going to just write my own thing. And then they just kept letting people do that. And Mm -hmm. I feel like it's murked the campiness of Star Wars and people get upset when it is campy now. But like that's it's always been nerdy and like not super serious and cool and i don't know i know they're not doing the nostalgia right for you basically (laughs) no they are because i'm still watching everything that comes out (laughs) (laughs) i I have to make a decision on whether or not i like it (laughs) i I hate watch star wars is what you're saying You had some really interesting stuff in the script earlier about the psychology of old memories, too. Yes. Um, that I I... Let me read that for everyone. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so we, I pulled a quote from a professor of psychology at LeMoyne College and licensed psychologist Christine Bacho, uh, and she said in an interview discussing nostalgia, it's unifying and it helps us to unify what otherwise would be felt or experienced by us as conflicts. In itself, it is somewhat of a conflict because I define it as a bittersweet emotion. It's sweet because we're remembering the best times and the good times of our life, and the bitterness comes from the sense that we know for sure we can really we can never really regain them and they're gone forever. The irreversibility of time means we absolutely cannot go back into time. So it helps us to deal with the conflict of the bitter longing for what can never be again together with the sweetness of having experienced it. I think my feeling of that definitely goes into all of these marketing aspects. And I wonder if we have done it maybe to more excess than what we previously saw during the pandemic. I wonder if it's because we have that need for normalcy that we Mm -hmm. like 
always talked about what during shutdowns of returning to normalcy rather than what a new normal looks like. It's just like an interesting way to express that you have both the good feelings and it's like, oh, I'm seeing it now. Okay. Ready? To- <laughs> yeah. The psychology of it. You get that good feeling and then you get a little bit of a gut punch of like, but it's never going to be like that again but you can buy something to get that serotonin so you don't have to cry for a minute. I say cry instead of buying it. (laughs) Right, right. Feel your feelings, co-signed Kaylee. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I get gut punches every once in a while. Like very rarely now, it used to happen more regularly where I would be like, oh my God, I cannot go back to some things the way they were before the pandemic. I can't yeah. unsee or unexperience some things. And some of those things I wish I could. And I can't think of a good example right now. Um, but when they happen, I'm like, oh my God, my world has changed. The world has changed forever because of this. Um, and like to an extent too, like I I think when I started to get into the psychology of nostalgia i i started to see the dark side um Mm -hmm. of it um i read an article about emotional manipulation basically that was it started to focus on the use of nostalgia and like i feel like we hear a lot of buzzwords all the time about emotional manipulation and people roll their eyes at them now because they've entered the lexicon even though i think it's great we all know them Mm mm-hmm But essentially, like many facets of emotional manipulation include um, controlling and weaponizing memory and how you feel about certain events or a certain person or what you remembered happening and how the brain like filters that information. And um, I I heard about this study when I was in grad or not grad school in undergrad about group dynamics, which like are so so powerful. And it was basically that they took a bunch of actors and then a bunch of study subjects. Basically, they would put one study subject in a room with five other actors and show an image of a bunch of lines and ask everyone to pick the shortest line. And all of the actors were supposed to pick a line that wasn't the shortest, but pick the same line. And then the subject person would go last. And overwhelmingly, a lot of the time, the the test subject person would choose the line that the group went with versus the reality that they were literally staring at. And that study says a lot of things. Like you can draw a lot of conclusions. They interviewed people afterwards. Um, But one of the most interesting things was that people don't trust their reality or their memory Mm -hmm. when the group is saying something differently and it's hard for our brains to wrap around it. So we will go with the group. And I was like, that's such a like powerful thing, whether that's to appease the group or whether that's like, oh, maybe I'm wrong. What am I? Maybe I'm not seeing something that everyone else is seeing here. And I was like, that kind of thing, it just shows the power of group thinking 
and and emotional manipulation and all of the things that like nostalgia and marketing can lead to is like you can mm-hmm. steer people ways that they probably not probably they might not go in in the first place you know yeah it's almost like a bad relationship of mm-hmm. your ex always being like but what about the good times and you're oh, yeah. highlighting the good stuff but it's like yeah but there was a real a lot of bad stuff a lot of red flags no 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 just the good times remember that trip that was so magical and like we all I feel like that's probably relatable to many people who have been in a toxic relationship yeah. whether it's with a family member or a, a romantic partner of people being like but it used to be so good but the reality is it wasn't that great no intermittent reinforcement is one of the most powerful things in the entire world and that's when you breadcrumb people or you like throw a bunch of love at someone and then abruptly take it away and it like causes addiction like behaviors you know Mm -hmm. and then also our brain is selecting memory again we're selecting to remember the good times to maintain connection as we mentioned before like nostalgia taps into connection wanting to be a part of things and it's like wow, this gets really scary and messy in mm-hmm. hands, you know? Yeah, I'm thinking of uh, connecting this in marketing a little bit. When you have soda companies that come out with like Coke original or like Pepsi original. Oh my God. And it's how it used to taste because it's cane sugar and you get super stoked that it's out and you buy it all up and no one's stopping to think, why is it taste different? Why, what, it, like, we're not using cane sugar anymore. That's why I almost exclusively drink Mexican Coke and Mexican Sprite because it has yeah, actual cane sugar. Pepper. Yeah, it's all fructose, glucose, like the fake stevia, I, or stevia might be in diets, but still, like, we market it as a shiny thing that you can buy for a short period of time. But once it's gone, your old faithful that we have actually been changing regularly to be able to be less and less healthy every couple of years, that's waiting for you when you're done, when you're done with your little party. Yeah. Wild. I didn't even think about that. But as soon as you said that, then like that is a nostalgia marketing ploy is Mm -hmm. putting the original on the bottle or even like they will put Coca-Cola in glass bottles that still have high fructose corn syrup. You have to like watch it like watch where yeah. it's imported from um to see that there's cane sugar in it and it's like you shady shady i mean we don't hate I... you completely like you can still sponsor us but like coca-cola please you. sponsor us <laughs> pepsi pepsi don't <laughs> but coca-cola you can sponsor us <laughs> i want lots and lots of mexican coke thank you I even think about this whole use of nostalgia in terms of getting money, though, from like, we're never going to get anyone from my high school to come on here. But I went to a boarding school for a couple of years, and we have alumni weekend where everyone who went there can come back for the weekend again, feel like the good old days, like they used to sell the old football jerseys because we were getting new ones so they would sell them off and you can get all new merch from your high school yada yada the purpose is for that for you to remember how great high school was 
for whoever that is. LOL. (laughs) I loved my high school in general. The aspect of my time in high school, different, different (laughs) scenario. Um, But it's so that you give back money to the school. Yeah. It's fundraising. That's why they wine and dine you. Exactly. Fundraising. But like, it's really hitting at this nostalgia of back in the good old days. You're seeing your old friends. You're seeing old teachers. You're seeing how kids are loving it now. And you want to give money. Like, it's kind of the easiest way to tap into people's banks at this point. Yeah. And I guess the question is, should we be doing that? Should we be using nostalgia to increase sales? I mean... I don't, I, I think like everything we talk about personally, there's just a balance. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like everything in marketing is shady. Maybe it is. I mean, maybe everything in marketing is shady and we just try to minimize harm. We do harm reduction. So like, <laughs> don't, don't get into the like really dark side of emotional manipulation. But also like, it's kind of fun to see Elise... Alicia Silverstone in a fucking ad every once in a while, like thinking about what that, sorry, what's that movie? Why can I, why am I spacing it? Clueless. Clueless. Like, like she's in her whole get up. She's doing like the debate. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. I think it can be successful for brands. It has been extremely successful for brands in the past. Coca-Cola is someone obviously we talked about, but they're, uh, make what is it make the world smile I want to make the world smile ad I'd mm-hmm. like to teach the world to sing it's the name of the there commercial <laughs> um, that we talked about in depth before but they come out with it every 20 years because yeah. again it taps back into I've been having a coca-cola since I was six <laughs> years old <laughs> um, so I think it would work for your brand, but you have to be incredibly specific to who you're speaking to. Like, Mm. are you speaking to a specific generation, a specific person? Is it a specific customer profile? Uh, Going off of what you said with Alicia Silverstone, it actually was one of the worst ads from the Super Bowl, according to magazines. Like Um, performance-wise or like they Yeah. I mean, I think it's more... There were better ones, but it was for Rakuten for like digital shopping. But Mm. you're using a lease and it makes sense if you're our age and you watched Clueless regularly. Yeah. Like, I don't think for Gen Z who maybe has seen it. I mean, no, it's got it's got rewatch value. Let me not say Gen Z doesn't watch Clueless, but I just don't think that call out was the right choice for who they wanted to be using this app for online shopping, which might be more that high buyer persona of Gen Z people on TikTok Mm. rather than our generation who might, in my opinion, be a little more conscious, uh, a little more conscious of how much we're spending online. But again, I also, I am the problem. (laughs) I spend, if I never had to go into a store again, I would not be sad. Grocery stores, yeah. c- like convenience stores, I, it, it extends everywhere. So my Amazon past her- purchased is a uh, pretty embarrassing. How oh, often I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> and now, like I've been so desperate for Amazon over in Ireland. Like I'm using the UK one, but 
it, it's not the they same. They have it? They have it. It's, they have it. And it's okay. But I get charged shipping even though I have Prime. <gasps> yeah. And it's not the same. So Okay. So. It's, it's sad. <laughs> anyway. So if you're talking to a specific customer, uh, ideally, if you're speaking to someone who's all ages, shape, sizes, color, how is this message that you're developing through nostalgia speaking to that person uh, rather than just throwing a nostalgia spaghetti at the wall and hoping for like a single teardrop and someone saying, I need to buy that. <laughs> so I think it works if you're specific to who you're speaking to. Uh, and that, in my opinion, is usually what makes or break a good nostalgia campaign. Nice. Oh, is that it? Are we done? Uh, did you see my product placement by the well- way I like realized <laughs> <laughs> that I was also wow. the, the shipping? <laughs> The sugar tax, I think, here is really bad. So they like sell Coke Zero primarily. It's like everything's oh. a zero product. So we'll see how long I <laughs> my lifespan lasts drinking Coke Zero because now I'm no longer in the land of the free, home of the brave. Although, so arguably- Coke, if you could send some over to our good bud, Alan, they need Coca-Cola. it more than ever. <laughs> I need more uh, Mexican Coke, please. Thank you. <laughs> Well, anyway, I guess that's it for this week's episode. Yay! Thank you so much for um, our listeners. Please make sure to go and subscribe to us wherever you're listening or viewing. Hit the subscribe button if you're watching our pretty faces on YouTube, for example. Follow us on TikTok and Instagram. Like, we're funny. We have good stuff. We have, like, little insights and memes from, like, our Slack channel. It's hilarious. So, yeah go in there like it comment share your own stuff like make us laugh um and and we'd love to know your thoughts on today's episode so comment we'd love to engage with you um so we don't feel like we're just shouting into the 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 void like do you think nostalgia marketing is a good thing what are your favorite examples of it in marketing retail entertainment and even if you'd like to hear us talk about something next we'd love to hear from you so leave it in the comments below and we will talk to you next week okay bye thanks for tuning in to target snarket a weekly podcast brought to you by broad digital consulting Our podcast is hosted by Danielle Bilbrook, Kaylee Myers, and Alan Connolly, and produced by Margot Gill. You can always learn more about Broad Digital Consulting on our website, broad.digital, that's B-R-O-A-D dot digital, or you can find us on social media using the handle at Target Snarket. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. And if you're feeling so inclined, we'd love for you to review our pod if you like what you're hearing. 